live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. On this channel, we are sophisticated worldly people, and as such, it takes a lot to impress us. Oh my God, that cloud looks like a dog. Are you, are you seeing this? This is the Press Box. Being out there against the Nets, I realized that basketball is an impossible sport played by giants and gods. With Grainy and Bischoff. Tweet it, talk it, put it in your pocket. I've made a flimsy take and I'm proud of it. On ESPN Las Vegas. Brown. Shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. Lindsey Brown is in studio at Grainy on, I think he's on a vacation for a day or a weekend. Uh, I don't think he's coming back. Did he say he went west or east? He's going west, right? You asked if he was going to the beach and he said the opposite the op- way. East, east then. Maybe so, he's going to Santa Fe. I've always mountains. wanted to visit there for the balloon festival or the air balloon fe- festival. The last conversation I had with him, he said he did not have access to TV. Oh, that's smart. So I think he's in the mountains. Off grid is the way to go. Dodgers play the Padres, and he just runs away from the television for the whole weekend. Oh, yeah, the inconvenient truth that looms Uh over him today. Cannot wait for tomorrow when he's back. No offense, Lindsay. Glad you're filling in today. I I got a feature on the the open. (laughs) I feel very special this morning. I'm happy to be here. I did not do good sound mixing on that, so... I heard it. That's all that matters. The Dodgers losing a playoff series to the Padres is something that I have wanted on this show since I started doing it. Yeah. And Ed is not here the day after it happens. So I'm very disappointed in that. But tomorrow will be fun. I don't even know what's supposed to happen tonight, but we're going to do three hours of Dodgers Padres tomorrow. (laughs) 72 hours after that series ended, but it's perfectly fair. Another 24 hours to let all those arguments ferment. It'll be great. The first bite. Will the Golden Knights ever lose under Bruce Cassidy? 82 0 It's happening, isn't it? Oh, come on. There's it's on its be way. Some, technically true. It's technically still a truth that can be achieved. What if they played Martin Jones every game of the season? Would, there might be a would they lose if they played him 82 times? There might be a chance because Martin Jones, uh, who was supposed to be the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick, then they ended up trading him to Boston for two days, and then he was in uh, San Jose 24 hours later. Uh, he is a guy that has been on the struggle bus for the better part of five seasons, and that continued all of those wheels going round and round on, uh, was it Saturday night, right? There was no NHL games yesterday. I was like, what the hell? They're smart. Get away from Sunday. I just It's a good move. We could just have at least one. Nah, no, no. They didn't Um, want to compete with that Yankees thriller. Martin Jones is like a a guy that I've talked about with other goalie people where it doesn't seem that he's really modernized his game as the years have gone on. Like there's different things that you can do to stay relevant because people figure out where your, your weaknesses are, where your tendencies are. And he just has never been a guy that to me has really good rhythm and timing in terms of like getting to his spot, setting his edges. And when you're constantly in motion in transit, it's really hard to stop hockey pucks. And that was certainly true of the, of the game the other night, especially with Keegan Colasar getting on the board so early. Yeah, if you give up a goal to Keegan Colasar. Hey, not, I am calling 15 well. goals for Keegan well. this year. We are one step closer. <laughs> so it's better than Keegan's normal job of, Keegan, go fight that guy. Go hit him hard. <laughs> so are you suggesting Martin Jones needs to, like, watch a tablet? during intermission like we see in other sports and be like, ah, no, kind of suck here. It's it's more of just it's the away from the game part. It, it's it's 
realizing that what has worked for you may not work for you currently and how the game is moving. And and some guys are a lot more uh, stubborn when it comes to their style. Like Jonathan Quick is the most stubborn goaltender in this whole league. Like that guy plays a style that was successful 10 years ago that nobody else could play these days without getting lit up constantly. And sometimes it still happens to him. But because he's such an athletic freak and, and he's mastered that and he's the ultimate competitor as well, he can make up for some of those shortcomings that his style uh, weighs down upon him. But uh, Martin Jones, it's just every time I watch him, every time I, I, I try to see like, hey, maybe he's gotten something together. It's just he can't get the saves that he needs to. On Vegas' goaltending, uh, Logan Thompson played the first two games. Aiden Hill got made his debut in game three, allowed two goals on 33 shots. Um, here's, here's what's going to be interesting at some point this month, I think is the expectation. The Golden Knights have Logan Thompson, who is the uh, number one guy at the moment. And mm-hmm. Bruce Cassidy has basically said as much that he wants him to to claim that spot. And then you have Aiden Hill. And if Laurent Brossois comes back, you have Laurent Brossois. What do you think this team does with the three goalies? Because the scenario is Aiden Hill and Laurent Brossois have to go through waivers to be sent to the yep, AHL. They're two so, of the same, same option. For so me. conceivably, if the Golden Knights have all three goalies healthy, mm-hmm. They waive one of those two. Another team could claim them for free and the Golden Knights lose goalie depth for nothing. Now, maybe it doesn't matter because Thompson and Brossois or Thompson and Hill are good enough and they stay healthy and you're fine. The one interesting part is that Logan Thompson is waiver exempt. So you could send him to the NHL and he does not have to go through waivers, meaning he just goes to the Silver Knights and he's fine there. But Bruce Cassidy said everything about him getting this opportunity to be the starter. I can't imagine them doing that. So Laurent Brossois comes back, let's say next week or whenever it is. Mm-hmm. What do they do with their three goalies? Uh, we'll get into this a little bit later at, at nine o'clock when we take a larger NHL conversation, but I think you trade LB. I think you trade one of them because there are some teams that are desperate for goaltending right now. Uh, Laurent Brossois is at a reasonable number. I believe he's on an expiring deal. And ultimately, not everybody's looking for like a bona fide starter at this point. Like everybody's made that investment either in the long term or if they've made that decision in the offseason. So when these injuries happen, like in Toronto, you need somebody to come in and help hold the the bucket of water for a temporary amount of time. Someone that you don't want to have to commit too much, especially when you're so close up to the salary cap itself. And so I, if I'm the Golden Knights, I run with the Thompson, Aiden Hill um, pairing. But maybe they like LB a little bit better. But at the same time, I would just rather have somebody who's been in it who isn't recovering from injury. And I, I don't mean that to like knock people coming back from injury. But LB didn't see a ton of time last year. And so I would rather take advantage of of a market that is asking for a goalie, a, a couple other teams, and and make our hay that way. Not even consider the waiver wire because we're going to make a trade. Okay. We'll get more on the goalie trades. I yes. like that idea. Thank you. Another question on the Golden Knights so far. One of the big one of the big um, narratives of the offseason when they got Bruce Cassidy was how good Boston was defensively mm-hmm. and how I think it, it was over the last three years, Boston had allowed the lowest expected goals, the lowest scoring chances, the lowest high danger chances at five on five in the entire league. And they were basically they were number one over the course of three years, number one or two every single year. This year, again, we're like three games in, but they're right around 10th or so in most of those sort of analytical uh, categories. Is When we talk about the goaltending and we talk about, you know, obviously goals allowed, the important thing when we're talking about goaltending, 
when we get 20, 30 games into this season, are we talking more about the defense in front of the goalies and how, wow, Bruce Cassidy's system is really good and Logan Thompson, Laurent Brossois, or Aiden Hill, they don't, they're going to have good numbers, but it might be more because of what Cassidy's put in the system in front of him. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be a bigger part of the conversation because it's such a different type of style that they're playing defensively in that zone versus man-to-man. And with that, it creates much different shot opportunities and save opportunities for the netminders instead of you know trying to fight through traffic in, in the same way that we're doing now because when it was man-to-man, you'd see a lot of guys go out into the shooting lane and try to block a shot. Like, at every single turn they possibly could because they just wanted shot suppression that way. But at the same time, then you're robbing the goaltenders of what their job is, which is to save the puck. And a lot of times you create more problems for yourself, like bat, broken plays in front, broken rebounds, where if you would just let the puck go through to your goaltender and if he saves it because his timing is right, it's just a whistle and you move on. But now it's more about where are these broken plays happening? Are they able to keep those away from the zones where somebody could pick that up and just finish it right away. And are they able to keep these guys to the outside and how long can they sustain that? And the bigger question for me is how does the Golden Knights offense respond to that? Because we've talked a lot about uh, how much time they're going to be spending in the defensive zone, how this team's personality has often been more of a, a barnstorming type of hockey where we're going back and forth on the rush. How do you play? How do you gain your confidence when you're expected to, to sit in the weeds a little bit more and bide your time and and play a harder style? You have to do less work, but you have to be more disciplined. You want a fun stat so far? Absolutely. I do so love stats. They're, they're 10th or 11th in like expected goals again, just at five on five and like expected goals against and shots against Mm -hmm. they are top three offensively in total shots, expected goals, scoring chances at five on five this year. And it doesn't feel as lopsided as it has in the past where they have long periods of time in the offensive zone, but they don't have anything to show for it. Like it feels like they're more efficient that they're getting more for their trips down there. And ultimately I think that's a huge, huge positive for this team because in a lot of ways they would, seep their own confidence away from themselves by going for more quantity versus quality scoring chances. This team regularly gets their souls stolen by netminders who just happen to have a good night. It happens against every single team, whether it's their starter, their backup, whatever. But a lot of that is just based off of decision-making of the Golden Knights themselves. How much of that is because they've played Seattle and Chicago? Oh, the AHL teams, you call them? <laughs> they are AHL teams. That's why That's why Logan Thompson looks so good sometimes, because he was dominant in the AHL, and when he comes you up here stop and plays more to you. Teams, you gotta You got to be able to play at the so, pace that's put in I'm front of you. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying he was great in the AHL. When he gets to play an AHL team in the NHL, he's going to be great again. He's just telling all the guys that... Uh, with the Golden Knights, like, I, I know these guys. Yeah. These are my friends. I made two <laughs> saves on them last year. One was to my glove. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... They have, yeah. listen, they have not played a very difficult schedule and it's only three games in, no. but, but we want the, the challenge for this team is never necessarily getting up for the big opponents. It's having a more sustained, more, uh, I don't want to say efficient, but just holistic attack to w- the hockey game. And it just, it feels like not everything's firing on every cylinders, but they're in the right positions where they're picking up some points, some goals, and finding wins uh, where I think they would struggle with that in previous seasons. They're going to go Flames, Jets, Avalanche, Maple Leafs. Big test tonight. And their next four. Big test tonight with Uh, Calgary. Tomorrow, right? Or tomorrow. One of the days. They play hockey a few times this week. (laughs) This I know. Flames, Jets, Avs, Maple Leafs. Um, Those are their next four. I think that Maple Leafs game is a week from today. So basically over the next uh, seven days, they're going to play those four. So Kyle will be in town. We can talk over this goalie trade person to person. It'll be perfect. How how different is the conversation we're having next week 
Like, are we talking about, oh, wow, they've lost three of four and the goaltending looks bad or, wow, they haven't scored on the power play in a week or like how different do you think that conversation is just I based mean, on the opponents? If you get blown out by the Jets, I'm going to be kind of like, what's going on here? But the Flames are going to be a really good hockey team challenging for the top spot in, in this division. Uh, we obviously know about the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and then the Colorado Avalanche. So as long as you're competitive, as long as you're giving yourself a chance to win, I'm not necessarily looking for those two points, but how do you um, show up against competition like this? I, I think, and again, it'll have been seven games into an 82 yeah. game season. So still not a lot, but I think the next four, we might have a good grasp on is this team simply a playoff contender or is this team more than that? Yeah. You got to bank points when you can, because we all know how, how long the the season can be, especially in that February, March area. And so when injuries can pile up and all of a sudden you're losing a couple games that you shouldn't to teams that you shouldn't, these are where games where um, if you win against Toronto, if you win against the abs at home, that's going to do really well for you uh, down the stretch. All right. We will jump into some NFL. Who's better the bills or the Eagles? Mahomes takes, has a pocket, gets away to the right a little bit. He fires downfield. It is picked off, picked off at the 20-yard line, intercepted by the Bills, picked off by Darren Johnson. He goes down right there, and the Bills have the football. They are celebrating. They're running down to the end zone for the celebration. They pick off Patrick Mahomes. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown. I love it. (laughs) I feel so special. This is a great way to start off the week. Ed Graney's gone. He'll be back uh, tomorrow. Lindsey Brown is in studio this morning. Um, We're going to have Golden Knights tickets to give away a little bit later in the show uh, for their home game against the Jets this week. Um, Here is the worst thing that you can do when you work in sports radio. The Bills beat the Chiefs yesterday, 24-20. to Big rematch of a playoff game, one of the best playoff games we've ever seen last year. The game yesterday was also phenomenal. Came down to the end. We did not learn a single thing yesterday. I do not have a single opinion on this other than if they play in the postseason, it will be a one-score game in the fourth quarter again. The only, maybe the only thing that I'd take away from that is that Buffalo's got a better shot at having a home field advantage in that Mm -hmm. game if they play in the AFC championship. But in all seriousness, like Patrick Mahomes wasn't great yesterday. He threw two interceptions. He was still pretty good. Yeah. But like when you're in that game, it's probably going to be which quarterback doesn't make the one mistake. And he threw two interceptions, right? Buffalo's D. De- okay, here's a little bit of a take. Buffalo's defense is better than Kansas City's. Maybe that's the difference. But ultimately, these are the two best teams in the AFC. I don't think it's remotely close. Mm-hmm. And they're most likely playing again in the AFC title game. And it's going to be a one-score game with five minutes to go. And we're going to get the same entertainment value that we've seen the last few times they've played each other. I 100% agree. But by the thing I would even go even further is I don't think either of the play like it was a good game because it was close in the fourth quarter i don't think either team played well like super super well josh allen a lot of times tried the whole quarterback draw up the middle and kind of just ran into the butt of his own guy a bunch of times like when these teams get better at the end of the season yeah it has very like 
Manning Brady vibes like when Peyton was with Denver and how it's just it's another chapter of the great rivalry and you're right like it doesn't really give you an indicator of of what's going to happen in the future you just have to expect that both of these teams are going to be ready to go and bring their best against each other um I think the Chiefs are missing Teron Matthew a lot and I think that will probably prove loom larger later on in the season um but man Josh Allen just seems to be just what a what a perfect kind of step by step elevation as you enter the league in terms of having a bad team, losing with that team, learning together, and then taking a step, and then taking another big step last year. And then now, I mean, he's my leader for the MVP conversation. It's not really even close, but mostly because we haven't seen some good football out of other names that we would expect better. Out from. of like anybody else in the league, almost. Pretty like, much. Everybody like, sucks this I mean, year. like you're always, well, Lamar's in the conversation. They can't hold a lead for crap. No. The Ravens, they're awful. So, and if your team is losing to the Jets, to quote Lindsay from earlier, there may be problems. Yes. So, in the AFC, who is the third best team in this conference? Oh, God. Yeah, it's the Jets. They right. just had a signature yeah. win. Facts. Oh, God, I love that they they won at Lambeau yesterday. I was like, this is the greatest game of this whole day. Or is it Mitch? Trub- I mean, you know, Mitch Trubisky and his Steelers. Well, I thought the Jaguars were going to take a bigger step, but they're not. And they lost to the Colts and Matt Ryan, who like literally just throws at the moon and hopes for the best. Bengals, I think, are there, but they have a really tough schedule. I don't know who the third best team I, in this I, conference is. You could just like, throw them in a hat. Jared says Jets, and I think you could make a legitimate yep. argument for it because. It should be, it should be Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It should be the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens in the first three quarters, third best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the Baltimore Ravens can't hold on to a lead. No. And so I don't know that you can say it's Baltimore. It could be the Dolphins too, but that was completely derailed with the double Tua, concussion. Tua could and come apparently back. he's going to come back next week. And I'm just like, so what are we doing? Maybe it's the Dolphins. That's a good point after yep. this. The Chargers? Am I an idiot for thinking the Chargers could be there? I, I'm with you because I picked them to win the division this year, and the rib cartilage thing with uh, Herbie is not super great, but they just are decimated right. by injuries. And aren't they looking to trade um, – or no, that was the Rams. That was a Rams headline that I was, I was seeing. They were looking to trade Cam Akers or something. So, I just, like, in all seriousness, if you go through the AFC right now, just simply by record, yeah, the Jets are 4-2. and two. And are the third best team in the division. That's just by record. That was a joke. Um, somehow, the Tennessee Titans, they were on a bye this week. They're three and two. Yeah, they're there. Right? Like By default, I though. don't think they're any good. No. But just by Derrick Henry's prowess. Chargers are three and two. The, um, the only other team in the AFC with a winning record of all the teams, besides the teams I just mentioned, the Indianapolis Colts at three, two, and one. I feel like they're worse than that. Like I, and they are, they very much are. So like, I I don't know, like the dolphin, like it's, it's also an AFC where everybody seems to have the same record. The Ravens, Bengals, dolphins, jets, uh, are all three and three or not the jets, uh, Patriots are all three and three. Right. And then you have, uh, two and three Denver. They play again tonight. You have two and four Jacksonville, two and four Pittsburgh, two and four Cleveland, two and, uh, Three Denver. What the like, hell's going on in Cleveland? Other than the obvious omission at their quarterback was, I just thought they would be better. It's all about the run with Chubb, right? You can't beat the third string quarterback from the Pats. Chubb didn't even do much yesterday. I, I just, I don't understand that. 
So I, it's this conference. I, it'll probably be a much different conversation five weeks from now because mm-hmm. all this, all these teams that are two and four or three and three, one or two of them is going to go on a run, and we're gonna be like, ah, oh, of course the Dolphins, or of course the Chargers, or of course the Jets, or somebody. Ah, they look good. But as of right now, it's really hard to pick out a third best team in the AFC. Which to go back to the Bills and Chiefs conversation. We're going to see these two teams in the AFC playoffs again, probably in the AFC championship, unless something weird happens with the seeding. We're probably seeing these two teams play for a right to go to the Super Bowl. And I don't know that we've actually learned anything from yesterday that's going to help us figure out who wins that game in January. I just don't think there's a massive takeaway. Sometimes it's not about learning things. It's just about enjoying the experience. Do you think Jordan Poyer enjoyed the experience? friends we made along the way. (laughs) Correct. It's not about the the destination, but the journey itself. Uh, The journey that he went on to get to that stadium, 15-hour drive. So if you didn't see, Jordan Poyer um, has a collapsed lung. Uh, He's a bill safety. And because of this collapsed lung, doctors did not approve him to fly. Mm Mm-hmm. They did approve him to play a football game, but they did not approve him to fly. So to play in the game on Sunday, the Bills arranged for a van to drive Jordan Poyer from Buffalo to Kansas City. And it was apparently a 15-hour ride in this van. And then guess what? He had to ride in a van to go back. Too. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they got him like a really nice Mercedes van where it's like those satellites and it's got TVs? See, or do you think it's like a white van that you rented from some place? For whatever reason, it probably was an actual nice van. When I heard they got him a van, my first thought was like a 1998 tan minivan. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was my first thought. Please give the guy an right. odyssey. So, so they owned... Mark Davis's old brand much, that he yes. used to drive around. Mark Davis loaned the bill. Oh, I got you guys maybe covered. Called Kirk Cousins up. And Kirk Cousins notoriously drives like his grandma's old like RV van around. Yes, that was my first thought. But you are right. It was probably one of those big black right. Mercedes or BMW. There. Yeah, it was absolutely a nice one. Borderline but the, cryo chamber. But I think it was uh, Ian Rappaport who wrote a story about it. It was like, ah, oh, they they arranged a van. And I'm like, oh, a van? This Down guy was like, river. had no leg room. It was brutal. Brutal for him, but oh, 15 hours is a rough go to right. Oh, like that to go to go play a football game. What's the what's a long drive in your mind? Number of anything hours. over six hours. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I think it's over eight for me. That's that how long it took to get from like the Twin Cities to the Canadian border. That's not closer to Canada. No. Oh. We have a big state. That is a big state. It was weird going to school long. out in New England. You drive like four hours and you go through about six different yeah. states. Yeah. So so the, the thing they do with the map is they make it all flat. What you have to understand is that it actually, whenever we're getting towards Canada, it's starting to curve. Yeah. Because it's a globe. Alaska's like as big as half of the continental U.S. I so had, I had a friend from Banana Alaska. for scale. I, yeah. I had, <laughs> Coming up next, Miles Simmons joins the show. Nixon's got it, and the punt is blocked. It's loose in the end zone, and the Cardinals recovered for a touchdown. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Featuring Lindsey Brown. Joining us now from Pro Football Talk is Miles Simmons. Good morning, Miles. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good. All right. Kansas City Buffalo. Do you feel like you learned anything from that game or is it simply, hey, 
These are the two best teams in the AFC, and if they play again in the postseason, it's going to be a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. I think we learned that, you know. I mean, it's still, you you kind of confirm things, right, based on what we see in the season. And then, yeah, it's those two teams are the best teams in football. And I know the Eagles are right now the only undefeated team. But uh, when you look at the quarterbacks, those two are the best two quarterbacks in football. And you have the team that surrounds them, and then those two teams are the best two teams. Look, Von Miller is paying off as a, as a free agent signing. I think we learned that for sure. You know, he had four tackles, two tackles for loss, and two sacks. But you felt his presence on pretty much every single play, right? I mean, he was the one who really forced Patrick Mahomes to get out of the pocket and then throw that interception that ended the game effectively. So but I don't know if we can say that those we learned those things or if we already knew those things and can confirm them. But, yeah, I mean, those, to me, those two teams are the best two teams in football. Now that we have more than just a a little sample size, what position or player has experienced the biggest change from this season to last in your mind? Oh, God. Between the whole team, all of them? Or like (laughs) just picking your best take, Miles, your best one. That's the, you got to, I'm, I'm being a jerk about like, and I'm not trying to be, but you got to narrow that question. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, I would, I, t- I would be like no Brady was, is probably up there for me, like just in terms of how he's playing in the offense and how much it's struggling. Okay, sure, yes. I mean, that's the the problem with Brady right now is that you've got a team that should still be really good, but they're not executing, and it's not. And I think part of the issue is that. Brady, you can say, is not exactly all in as he has been in the past. And that's one of the issues that you're going to see when your quarterback goes and he is at the wedding of his, the, the former team that he used to play, right? Or the team owner of the team he used to play for. So why is he there on Friday and then he misses those meetings and that walkthrough on Saturday? And Tobble can say all he wants that it, he didn't miss anything, but if Brady didn't miss anything, then why would you even have the meetings in the first place? Right. And then he, you can go back to training camp and Tom Brady, he's, you know, not there for 10, 11 days. And you're saying to yourself, well, this is something that doesn't usually happen. That's true. And so now he's yelling expletives at the offensive line and no, the offensive line is not playing well, but at a certain point in the back of some of those guys' minds, they might start thinking, you know, this dude wasn't here in the dog days of camp, right? He wasn't here for us when we were all sweating our, you know, you know what's off in the middle of the Tampa heat, and he's off doing whatever he's trying to do, trying to ostensibly save his family, and he, wouldn't, he was not there with us. So now it's like I, there's just a weird disconnect with Brady, that team, where they should be and where they are right now. Are the Packers and Aaron Rodgers more concerning than where Tampa Bay is right now? Ooh, I mean, mm, yes, actually, because of the division situation. Right, the Vikings are five and one. They're a very quiet five and one. I don't know that anybody really believes in them, Facts. especially given what we know about you know Kirk Cousins and who he's been for his entire career. But they're still five and one. They got the win. The Packers are three and three. They've got no chemistry, no continuity on that offense. Aaron Rodgers is talking about needing to simplify things when, when you're in week seven now going into it. That's when you start expanding the playbook. You have to start playing things off of other things. So I, I don't, 
if I'm a Packers fan, I wouldn't necessarily feel great about where they are right now, just based on everything else that's happening in that division. Yeah, Miles, I'm right there with you at the read on uh, on the Vikings because I'm a fan and maybe I'm just too traumatized, but I don't get too invested. But they seem to be a team that plays just well enough to win or they're winning that that one little stat like it was turnovers yesterday. Um, But ultimately, I don't think they're that great of a team. Is there another team that you think? I mean, the Raiders are certainly in the consideration of it could go either way. But who's finding more success than probably uh, they should right now? I I would say the New York Giants. I mean, they're playing really well in terms of how they finish games, right? I mean, you're coming back from double-digit deficits from the Packers and then also the Ravens in consecutive weeks. And that's something that you don't necessarily expect against those types of teams. I mean, especially, look, the Ravens get a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. You don't expect them to blow that. That's just what their M.O. has been under John Harbaugh for years and years and years and years. And the fact that they're doing it, and the Giants... I think, has to be taken seriously at this point. And honestly, the other New York team, the Jets, right? I mean, uh, who was expecting the Jets to keep pulling rabbits out of their rear end? I mean, they did it against Pittsburgh. They did it against Cleveland. But they went into Lambeau yesterday, and they played a really, really solid game. They got two block kicks. You know, they're doing it on special teams, and then they ran for almost 180 yards. You don't expect to see that, and you don't expect to see – um, the Packers get run out of their own building, but that's what the Jets did. All right, help us out because I we don't have an answer for this. Who is the third best team in the AFC? Uh, that's a great question. It is a great question. I, I want to say it's the Ravens, but they keep showing that it's not the Ravens because they keep blowing leads. So, I mean, you look at it, Tennessee right now is 3-2. and two. I don't think that they're the third best team in the AFC. I don't think it's the Chargers who are three and two. I certainly do not think it is the Indianapolis Colts who are three, two, and one. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It, it's a weird question because there are just a bunch of teams. I mean, there are the two teams, and there's the middle class, which is just a bunch of mediocre teams. And like, I, I mean, I don't know. It, it should be Baltimore. It should maybe be Cincinnati. But Cincinnati's defense has been really suspect. I'm, I, they should not have won that game yesterday, probably that they did against New Orleans. So yeah, I, I don't know the answer. Yeah, there's not a lot of answers to, to that one, and I'm I'm searching for answers for the Arizona Cardinals as well. I think this is the the hottest seat, at least in terms of coaching. They uh, failed to score a touchdown yesterday, and and that offense is just in disarray. Is is DeAndre Hopkins going to fix all this, or are you off the bandwagon? Oh, I've been off the Cardinals bandwagon, man. I mean, once they collapsed last year, that that was enough for me with Cliff Kingsbury. And it's interesting when you talk about hot seat. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kahn signed extensions through the 2027 season over the offseason. Now, we don't know exactly how much of that is guaranteed and whether or not, you know, if things really go off the rails, and they're not on the rails right now, but if they even get even more off the rails, what changes could be made? But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much positive going on with the Arizona Cardinals. And, I mean, they are a fluky, counter Renfro fumble, fumble recovery from being one and five. Uh, That's not a good football team, and they don't have any answers right now. How nice of a van do you believe the Buffalo Bills got for Jordan Poyer (laughs) to ride in for 15 hours? It it is a reported Mercedes-Benz. Oh, you do have a report. Okay, okay. 
Yeah. So it's not like, you know, he was in a van down by the river or whatever. See, when I... when I, first saw it, when I first saw it, I, I think it was Ian Rapport just said the Bills had a van arranged. And my first thought was like this tan minivan from the 90s. That was the only thing that popped into my head. <laughs> no, it was, it's probably the nicest van you've ever heard of for a 15-hour <laughs> car ride. But you know what, though? Here's the thing about these situations, and this is not the first time this has happened. The, the Texans did something similar with Deshaun Watson when he had a ribs injury. If you're not really safe enough to fly, are you really safe enough to be playing a football game? And what about this mentality that we've given with football players that like it's a you're a warrior, you got to do this and do that? Is it really worth it for your long term health and your long term viability if you can't fly to get in a car for that long just so you can play a football game? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But I at least. I want to ask the question because, like, that to me is a bit ridiculous. Is there a quarterback controversy bumbling in New England? I don't think so. Bailey Zappi's performed admirably in his first two starts. I mean, he's got pass rings over 100. He threw for 300 yards yesterday against the Cleveland Browns. But the Browns' defense can't stop a nosebleed. Neither can the Detroit Lions' defense. There's a reason to believe that if Mac Jones had been playing in these last two games, he would have done something similar if not better, um, in terms of what that offense has been able to do. So, I mean, look, he, Bailey Zappi's throwing the Hunter Henry and he's college open, you know? I mean, Justin Fields would have even made the throws that <laughs> Bailey Zappi was making yesterday. So, that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. I don't think there's really that much of a quarterback controversy, but it is weird that Billichek won't just come out and say, oh, yeah, Mac Jones is still our starter. I don't really know why he's not doing that. Will, is Bailey Zappi the most creative player of the replacement players we've seen this season. In terms of what, like, he just... you just like, sure, yeah, there's a guy named Bailey Zappi. Yeah, of course he's the third-string quarterback for New England. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's those memes, right, where it's like, can you really tell the difference between Mac Jones and <laughs> Bailey Zappi? I, all in Brian Hoyer is just an older, more bald version of those two guys. Well, so. he is Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. Miles, as always, we appreciate it. All right, take care, guys. So there's Miles Simmons on the NFL. We will stick right here with the NFL because Tua looks like he is coming back this week. Bird comes in the orbit from left to right. Mariota looks. Now going to loop, and Kyle Pitts caught it. Touchdown. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Featuring Lindsey Brown. All right, Lindsey, here's a fun question just for you. Mm. Do the Packers suck? Yes, and it's glorious. It's absolutely glorious what transpired yesterday. Losing to the New York Jets in Lambeau. J-E-S-T, Jets. Oh. Well, it's the Wisconsin education rubbing off on you over there, uh, Jared. But it's really interesting to see just how depressed A-Rodg looks. Like, he just looks completely dejected. It's basically a race between him and Tom Brady of, like, the most uh, washed-up guys this year. But the Lazard character isn't enough that Aaron Rodgers, when they found a success a couple years ago, it was all because the ground game became a big part of their uh, their offense, and that just has been missing so far this year. So I'm super happy of the results so far. They're still going to win the division. Probably. <laughs> Probably. I wouldn't put it past them because it is the division and uh, the Vikings always end up losing a few games down the stretch that they shouldn't. 
But, um, you know, there, there is such a thing as digging yourself a hole too deep that you can get out of. They're not very good. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm surprised how bad they look offensively. Obviously, they lost Devontae Adams, and none of the other receivers have actually taken a big step up. But Aaron Rodgers, for the majority of his career, has been able to make lesser wide receivers, random tight ends mm-hmm. work, right? To not always have the best offense in the league, but to have a good offense. And right now, Green Bay's offense is, is not any good at all. And that's the part that's fascinating to me is how bad they've looked without Devontae Adams because I thought they'd be much better than this. They also did lose a game where they had a punt blocked mm-hmm. and a field goal blocked. And I think they did block a punt themselves as well. So multiple kicks were blocked in that game. But it's just, it's like that division. Awful. Yeah. Like Minnesota's five and one. And not a single person believes that Minnesota's a good team. No. <laughs> it's kind of funny how <laughs> yes. few people are, are on the bandwagon. Like, right. They're just on uh, first take saying, like, who do you believe in more, the Giants or the Vikings? I'd probably say the Giants more. Um, but it, it, the Packers have always lived and died on, on the offense. And when you don't have those other aspects of your team shored up and you have a young upstart in the New York jets, or they have a lot of young talent that were probably pretty pumped to go play in such a amazing, uh, stadium and, and to play Aaron Rodgers, Like it's easy for them to get up for that game. There is no close measure match of energy from the Packers side. If the Vikings get to play Skylar Thompson slash Teddy Bridgewater, Every game the rest of the year. The Vikings will win the division. Um, they beat the Dolphins yesterday. Skylar Thompson started the game, but he actually left with a thumb injury, which means Teddy Bridgewater, who did suffer a concussion but was cleared to play and was the backup, came back in and was better than Skylar Thompson. I'm still confused as to why they started Skylar Thompson over Teddy Bridgewater in that game. Probably just did. for the continuity. I'm guessing they probably did most of the prep with Skylar Thompson, wanted to give him a shot, but I mean... The history between Teddy Bridgewater and the Minnesota Vikings is uh, well-documented, and I'm a huge fan of his, always will be, but that game was really close until about four minutes left, and then there was a bad turnover, and all of a sudden the Vikings had like 12 more points than they had two minutes ago, and then it's like, oh, it's a pull-away victory. Not really. Pulled away. They got the win. Barely. On the Dolphins' side of this, Tua is now expected to play this week for Miami. The interesting part, is that Tua was actually cleared from concussion protocol on Saturday. Which doesn't mean much. Meaning he was cleared to play. By NFL standards. On Sunday. Normally. As we talked about Jordan Poyer driving in a van yes. because he has a punctured lung. Like Normally. NFL standards. Jordan Poyer gets in a van, drives 15 hours mm-hmm. to go play in a game. Normally. He can't fly, but we've got options. Normally, Tua. Doctor messes up, doesn't say he has a concussion, comes back and plays five days later, and then gets another concussion. Normally, NFL teams and NFL players, if they're given any level of clearance, push that, right? As mm-hmm. and, and they go play. Did the Dolphins hold Tua out even though he was cleared simply because of how bad they screwed it up earlier this year? Certainly part of it. Certainly part of it. I, 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 if he would have gone out the second that they cleared it, you're just like, what are we doing here? What are we actually doing here? Like, I still think, what are we doing here? Honestly, because I've, I've had four concussions. I, I've had friends who have lost like Spanish immersion level for eight grades 
completely gone language because they return too quick from their first concussion. Like this is serious stuff. But here's where, like we were talking about with Miles and, and, and this this mindset that we have with especially violent sports that even if you are not just hurt, injured, if you can go, you should. And this is not something that I would push. I know, or at least I heard a rumor that um, two had talked to Dr. Bennett Omalu, the concussion movie that about the NFL that came out with Will Smith about 10 years ago or so. Say like, maybe you should just like not play at all. But at the same time, we know that these guys, this is their careers, this is their livelihoods, and I understand the Miami Dolphins have something this year. It just, the ramifications for these decisions go a lot further than the players themselves, and that's just like one of the really weird compromising situations that they get put in as as heroes, as leaders, as just normal people that happen to play a game for a living. It's uh, interesting to see a team actually hold a player out when he's cleared. But like you said, uh, it probably should be even longer given what happened to Tua. And there's almost, what, 100%, 99.9% chance he plays this weekend when they take on Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again... It's like, if he gets a third one in one year, in, in a span of weeks... I mean, look at Luke Keekley. He retired at 28 a few years ago. He had a bunch of them where he had in consecutive. And he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to take the hits the same. And Tua does a lot of escaping. And it doesn't take a lot once you've had your eggs scrambled. I mean, yeah. the I shouldn't say it's not a lot. But the second concussion he suffered, like, it doesn't. It, he could have died out there. Yeah, but it, it's like it wasn't. It wasn't a hit where it was like, oh, mm-hmm. obviously, that's that's a weird play. Like, it's he's going to take that hit again. Yeah, and it's it's just about your brain rattling on its own skull. It's not about the actual impact. One of the parts of football that I, I wonder if we see more and more of this. There was, I can't remember his name. There's a Buccaneers lineman that retired this offseason. The biggest one to me was Patrick Willis. Like, what was that? Six, seven years ago, retired when he was 29 or 30. Mm-hmm. How many NFL players retire when they turn 30 right before they turn 30? Because, all right, I've made a significant amount of money. I'm not putting my body through this for another three, four, five, whatever years. Diminishing returns. Yeah. And basically like it, this is not good for me. Mm-hmm. And I've made enough money that I can move on to whatever the next part of my life is and hopefully keep whatever health I have left intact. Quarterbacks a little bit different for the most part because mm-hmm. they don't get beat up as much as every other position, I guess, in the sport. But for running backs, for linemen, for linebackers. Like, I wonder how significant that retirement starts to come early for those positions.